five, four, three, two, one. I'm John Miglosh for the WDMA. We're going to be talking about hmm, men, women, gender, direct marketing today. <laughs> that ought to be interesting. To the decline in the sperm count or exposures to chemicals in our environment. How can we save the dicks of the next generation from the dicks of this generation? EcoHouse, a nonprofit organization of action for sustainability, presents Extra 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 Small, the world's smallest condom. The condom for the world's most toxic relationship. This should be for, I don't know, a mosquito or something. Learn how you can fight the world's biggest problem with the world's smallest condom at xxxscondoms.com. Okay, so this may not be an issue that you're familiar with, but as usual, we help you with that here on here at the WDMA. So uh, apparently the development, let's call it, uh, the genital development of both men and women has been affected by um, by pollution, okay? And it's a serious problem. And so what we're trying to do is uh, emphasize the pollution as a possible, uh, as one of the possible causes, probable causes of this uh of this serious situation, it's very serious, although this commercial is a bit lighthearted. And so, um, <laughs> and so I applaud this effort, actually, because uh, they're talking about real pollution. They're talking about chemicals in the environment. And... Um, Unfortunately, in the article from Amy Houston, my friend Amy Houston, who always brings me the most interesting stuff, uh, she she says that the that she says that the uh, it's a fight against. She says that the ad team said it was a fight against shrinking caused by climate change. In the commercial, I didn't see climate change mentioned, and I'm glad because this really doesn't have anything. <laughs> Christine. Nice of you to comment. <laughs> it really doesn't have, it's not climate change, it's pollution. It is the chemicals that are in our environment. And, and, and because we don't differentiate between climate change, CO2, and real pollution, um, we don't fight the stuff that really matters. And when it comes to pollution, size does matter. Okay, so here's another <laughs> here's another article. Stereotyping of women in ads is getting worse by Jennifer Fall, um, deputy editor at uh, Modern Marketing, but also coming to us by the brand uh, the drum. Women are increasingly being shown in domestic roles rather than professional settings, according to new research, and it's a very in depth. Um, full of statistical stuff, uh, article. Um, this is probably from the 50s, which shows the mom and the, 
and the little girl in the father's arms and uh you know it it looks like my daughter and her son and their and their oldest child and and here's what i you know here's what i struggle with you know we want a big we want to put a big x over this and say this is evil this is terrible now i admit there's a lot of women you know i have my oldest daughter uh is a professional woman uh marketing consultant excellent at helping you streamline the systems in your business just excellent at that but um you know we've had long talks she might prefer this i think she would she said why did women trade this happiness for the for the frustration of working in marketing and working in this in the you know beating it out with everybody anyway so the good news is that women are appearing more frequently in ads women are featured over the last two years 34 percent more than men in fact i was watching a youtube channel yesterday and he was uh, he was explaining how frustrating it is because he talked about I think it was a disabled veteran, and he had a great cause, and they they you know they didn't do their usual YouTube thumbnail with some of the some of the female crew that he has a big sailboat and they fly and then they sail around the tropics, and so you can imagine that they have plenty of attractive women and attractive thumbnails. But he said when they featured a real cause that he cared about uh, that should get views, it only got half the views. And he, and, and he said this happens over and over. Whenever he tries to take on a serious topic, he gets fewer views. And I don't know if that's a YouTube thing or that's a uh, just a, a human nature thing, that people are more inclined to click on that. I don't know. No one knows, I don't think. Um, we could split test it. Um, so women shown in domestic or family settings has increased to 66% of the 10,000 ads analyzed in 2022 compared to just 32% in 2021. So a dramatic 100% increase in the portrayal of women in domestic or family settings. And uh, it goes on and it says 50% of women have, I mean, there's just tons of statistics in here. Um, you know, Aline Santos, chief brand officer at Unilever, I mean, it's a huge job, said, uh, told the drum that it made for sad but ultimately unsurprising reading, this study. Uh, to explain what's happening, she pointed to a recent gender equality attitudes survey from the UN, which found that since COVID-19, 50% of women have reported an increased time spent in cleaning versus 33% of men, and a 37% increase in time spent cooking and serving meals versus 16% of men. Okay, so both genders had an increase. You know, I'm making more bread than I used to. I, well, I didn't used to ever. <laughs> I didn't learn that in COVID. I learned it before that, but I did more. I did more stay-at-home stuff, and in many cases, you know, like my oldest daughter perfected her barista skills at home. Uh, she decided, first of all, she couldn't go to Starbucks, and so she she bought this fancy milk foamer and a fancy coffee maker, and she makes the most incredible, unbelievable, great coffee at home for a fraction of the price 
So does that count as increased time spent cooking? I don't know. But the interesting part for me is, is that she really enjoys it. And she takes a lot of pride in it. And she does some fantastic cooking and baking that she, you know, really started exploring in COVID. So perhaps the reason for this increase and this shift is not, uh, is not uh, contrary to Charlotte Parks Taylor, the algorithms, the Darwinian algorithms, which underpin the platforms on the ad, but maybe people are taking more joy in the domestic side of life you know hanging out with your family and your and your kids and your grandkids what could be better than that interesting thoughts right uh santos said that if the industry wants to see the numbers reverse cmos and agency leaders need to challenge everything you know let's challenge right uh i don't know i don't know if that's true or not i don't know uh, Jordan Peterson says, in countries where there's the most choice of career, the most openness about anybody can do anything, any gender can do anything, the gender, the gender roles are even more div divergent than where we try to enforce it with legislation and with uh, redefining human nature. So, something to think about. Okay, and in the spirit of the first commercial... <laughs> If you want to maximize your return on direct mail, here's some ideas from Jake Colburn, Omega Printing's marketing director. Uh, it's a fairly long article, and as usual, it starts out with, you think mail has gone away? I don't know anyone who thinks mail has gone away. I mean, you got to go right in. <laughs> Thanks, Christine. Awesome. I love to get comments because people don't believe this is live. They say, how could he do this? How could he just do this off the top of his head? It's impossible. No one could do this day after day. <laughs> so comments prove that I'm really sitting here and making this up as I go. Uh, so thank you for that. So as usual, you know, but there's still stuff in the mail. You know, every day I get more stuff in the mail. And, uh, you know, we did an article yesterday or last week about important looking mail. You know, here's an important looking mail. Uh, it, it almost looks like a... Uh, I mean, it just looks, you know, that see-through window is great. But it's clear, it's, you know, it's a nonprofit. It's science in the public interest, which I've never heard of. I don't know why they're mailing me. I don't know where they got the list. But anyway, let's go on. Let's talk about Jake's article. So, um, a lot of businesses advertise on Facebook. 78% rely on advertising via search engines and social media. But independent research, and you know how I love that. Jake, if you're going to put this in here, you need to put a link in. And since links do appear in PDFs, I'm guessing it's not there, or you could name it or something like that. But anyway, pay-per-click is getting more and more expensive. And oftentimes, if you're doing mailing, <laughs> no, it doesn't. Yeah, I know. You can't really see whenever I do this stuff. It's just, it's a see-through window with a yellow, with yellow paper. And I wonder if they've tested that. I always wonder that. Red print on yellow, it's nice. You know, it does look important. I have to say that contrasting color is awesome. Um, you know, it's something you can test if you use see-through see -through envelopes. Um, anyway, so Jake says, identify your target audience as his number one step. And, you know, as I said yesterday, printers are not necessarily the best place to get mailing lists. I hate to say. 
There are list companies. There are list brokers. There are very, very creative people. Um, and you can even call up the WDMA. <laughs> a great step would be to join, support our effort of bringing you interesting content every day and uh, then ask the question. <laughs> that would be appropriate. <laughs> First join, okay? Um, so the best practice is to identify the audience. And yesterday, if you go back to yesterday's show, I spent a lot of time saying, you know, you don't always know your audience. So don't identify it too tightly, right? You have a suspicion. If you have a retail store, you know, look at the trading area. Uh, if you have customer addresses, and if you don't, that that should be how you start. Uh, a friend of mine came to me and said he wanted to start a deer catalog, and he had this collection of deer heads. And, he, and his son called me up on the side and said, please stop my father from doing this. <laughs> so anyway, but he was getting, he was taking this deer collection if you can believe, only in Wisconsin. He was taking his deer collection to deer hunting shows. And uh, they would actually pay him to, to come and take booth space. And he would have this wall of, of the world's largest deer antler mounts, you know, that collection. So I said, I said, Larry, why don't you, when you're, when you're doing this, put out a fishbowl and say, you know, you could win a hat or something. Uh, people will do the darndest stuff. And, and when you get to 30,000 of those, then come back and talk to me and we'll do a catalog for you. <laughs> sure enough, I think it took him about a year or two, two years maybe, but sure enough, he had a 30, 30, he got the 30,000 names. Like I told him and it pulled pretty well right off the bat. And they grew it to, I think about 30 million in sales <laughs> over time. I thought it was crazy. <laughs> But anyway, uh, you know, we worked together on it, got it off the ground. I think it would have worked better. They they gradually cut back on the catalog and went all digital, and uh, or more and more digital. Now it's all digital. They sold out. Uh, we won't get into all that, but they they always talked. The Sun ended up running it, and uh, but anyway. You know, uh, Jake lists these variables: age, gender is interesting because they actually did a study. Uh, of compiled list gender uh, data, and they found that it was only 50% accurate, which means a coin flip would be better. You better not, you know, you better not assume the gender of your audience just because the the database told you this was male or this was female, right? It doesn't work very well, right? Race. Mm, the reason that Jake thinks that race is in here is because almost all the compiled files utilize, lean heavily on, on the census data. And the census data, you know, gathered from the long form, um, has race information. And so you can, at the census track level, which is every door direct, if you, if you, if you have a little retail store and you want to get in the mail, you can, you can do everybody in a in a census geography around your store and you can look at the income level now it's not the individual household you can't find the rich house versus the poor house in that in that census tract and the census by law from the very first census which i think was was uh was let's see 1790 maybe um was designed so that you couldn't know the exact household value and income 
of any individual. And the, the problem was that the plantations in the South, you know, had one rich guy, one rich house, and a lot of poor, you know, poor people. And uh, so the South fought very hard for that it had to include a certain number of, of households. It had to be a certain size so that it was so that it was not obvious how much value the plantation had on its own. Interesting. You may not know that. Anyway, but those numbers generally come from the census data. So when, you know, we, 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 we were all told, you know, we know everything about you and we have this big database. And so I looked up my own, you know, one of the list companies gave me access to theirs at an individual level. So I typed in my own name and I saw that my house value was almost perfect. My age was almost perfect. And uh, I was just stunned, you know, my income, all of that. And so I thought, hmm, boy, I didn't know this stuff was so accurate. And then I typed in my dad's address next door. But he lived on the lake next door. So his house value was like 10 times mine. <laughs> That's the way it works. <laughs> Just even a little different. And... uh he had the same exact values I did. So what they were really doing was just taking the census averages and applying them to everybody. So a lot of this stuff is hype and it doesn't work as well as you think. So don't get too don't get too excited that you can find lists with all these with all these with all these variables in them. They do work, they can work, but it takes a lot of work to make them work. Okay? And in COVID, we actually use the employment data to try to evaluate whether the, the the new wave of company of customers coming in to one of our clients looked similar to the customers they'd always had. And it turned out that they were younger, they were more educated, they had higher income, so they were quite a bit different. And so that means you got to be careful thinking that you're going to get the same lifetime value out of the new batch for the, versus the old batch. Oh my gosh, i got to wrap this up. Well, anyway... Um, there's a lot about the offer, a lot about creative. I highly recommend, uh, in addition to Jake's article, that you go out to um, to scientificadvertising.com and get the book by Claude Hopkins. It was written in, in 1923. It was published, I believe. So it's the 100th anniversary of scientific advertising. But Claude, all of Claude's... Uh, suggestions are based on the history of testing uh, and he says basically the direct mail industry tests and tests and tests and they have this stuff figured out and almost none of these articles really talk about that uh, there's a lot of he in here i could say there's stuff about tr about tracking um you know uh, include a qr code but it doesn't talk about a trackable qr code so that everybody that clicks that track that qr code can be tracked back to that mailing no matter whether they order or not, whether they get to your landing page or not, um, whether they give you a uh, coupon code or not. And uh, so there's some basic things that can, can really help your tracking. Also, since you know who's getting mailed, you should do matchback testing of anybody who buys or get, gives, you your, gives you their address for a quote or something like that. Anyway, have a great day. Like and share. Your friends will know you're smart. Bye-bye.